Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And we are back. Welcome back to Business Story of the Week, where we navigate the world of entrepreneurship, business, uncovering stories of perseverance, struggle, innovation, success, and, you know, a bit of, a bit of like, wellness as well. But mm-hmm. every episode, you know how it is, we adventure into the lives and journey of those who, dr- who dared to dream and do. And today, um, we have quite an interesting concept that I would love to unravel. And we have, I feel like, a titan on the industry that we have today. Allow me to introduce Chip Conley is on a midlife mission. (laughs) After disrupting the hospitality industry twice, first as the founder of Joie de Vivre Hospitality, the second largest operator of boutique hotels in the U.S., and then as Airbnb's head of global hospitality and strategy, leading a worldwide revolution in travel, Conley, Chip Conley, co-founded MEA, Modern Elder Academy, in January 2018 in Baja, California, Mexico. Inspired by experience of intergenerational mentoring as a modern elder at Airbnb, where his guidance was instrumental to the company's extraordinary transformation from fast-growing startup to the world's most valuable hospitality brand. MEA is the world's first midlife wisdom school. We need to unravel that today. And it has a campus opening on a 2,600-acre regenerative horse ranch in Santa Fe, Mexico in early 2014. That is something to look forward to. Dedicated to reframing the concept of aging. MEA supports the students to navigate midlife with a renewed sense of purpose and possibility. And today, Chip Conley is a New York Times bestselling author on his seventh book, Learning to Love Midlife, 12 Reasons Why Life Gets Better with Age. It is about rebranding midlife to help people understand the upside of this you know, misunderstood life stage. And he is... He was asked to give a 2023 TED Talk on the midlife chrysalis. So, Chip, a lot to unravel there. I am very excited. But first of all, how are you? How is your day? Thank you for coming here and gracing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining for letting me join you. And I'm looking look forward to your your questions. Fantastic, um, Chip. I always like to start this at the journey at the very beginning of everything. Um, of course, yours is a storied, long, extensive journey, right? So, Are you saying I'm old? <laughs> well, no, I was going to ask that. Is that something that you need to, because clearly you, 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 you deal with midlife, right? And being called old is something that people need to deal with. We'll, we'll unravel yeah. that later. Uh, sure. Um, but I wanted to ask, yeah. coming from your journey from founding Joie de Vivre, hospitality mm-hmm. to becoming 
you know, one of the titans of Airbnb, and then co-founding MEA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 quite extensive experience, right? Yeah. Could you share with us how it all started. What sparked this initial interest in hospitality industry, and yeah. what shaped this innovation to to this approach when it comes to uh, midlife? So I went to, thank you. Um, I went to undergrad and, and graduate business school MBA at Stanford mm-hmm. and graduated quite young at age 23. Right. Worked, went to work for a maverick commercial real estate developer in San Francisco. And I learned a lot and I loved it, but I also wanted to do something more creative. And in San Francisco, there's a big tourism in- industry and there's a lot of hotels. And so as I got sort of acclimated into the commercial real estate development business in San Francisco, um, I got curious about boutique hotels, which in the mid-1980s were just getting off the ground in the United States. Wow. Um, and one day I found a motel, a no-tell motel, a place where you paid by the hour to stay there. So you can only imagine what was going on um, in a bad neighborhood in the Tenderloin. And I decided I was going to buy it because it was in bankruptcy. And I was 26 years old and I left my job and started Joie de Vivre. I, I called it Joie de Vivre because it means in French, joy of life. And that was our mission. And so um, that's really how I got started. I, you know, by buying a broken down motel in a bad neighborhood, didn't have any, I had no experience in hotels. I had some experience in commercial real estate development. And okay. out of the blue, I, the, the business succeeded. And over the course of the next 24 years, we created 52 boutique hotels around the state of California. That's, wow. It's almost like there's some symbolism in there taking a torn down hourly motel and then turning it into a joy of life hospitality. There's this, there's this like a story. Well, the symbolism is perfect with the name of that hotel. It's called the Phoenix and it's a rock and roll hotel, but the Phoenix is the mythological bird that Uh rises from its own ashes. And that's what it really had to do. Oh, wow. Well, well, serendipity it is. Wow. So you, you went from this kind of like a hospitality, Early on, you started started it early on, but now you're focusing on this concept of midlife wisdom. I really want to break mm-hmm. down this um, midlife first midlife wisdom school, which is the MEA. Mm-hmm. Um, it it seems it seems like a very new concept, a groundbreaking concept. And what led you from hospitality? To mm-hmm. that kind of facilitating an exchange of you called it an exchange of intergenerational wisdom, mm. especially in the context of a modern elder and Airbnb. So this, this is like a meaty question, right? First yep. of all, what is a modern elder at Airbnb? Yes. What led you to this midlife wisdom school coming from the hospitality industry? So, um, first of all, as background, I, there was, there's a place called the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California, and it's the most, maybe the most famous personal growth retreat center in the U S and I was on the board there for, uh, a decade as well as taught there for a dozen years. So I had a little bit of curiosity and interest in the personal growth world. Um, when I joined Airbnb, you know, within a few months, they started calling me the modern elder there. I didn't like that at first. It was like, Hey, you're making fun of my age. And then I said, no, a modern elder is someone who's as curious as they are wise. And you've brought your wisdom here and we really appreciate that, but you're also curious. And so you're, you know, and I, so I said, okay, I'll be your modern elder. And when I, 
I spent seven and a half years with Airbnb, but four of those years was, were full-time. When I went from full-time to part-time as a strategic advisor, I, um, I went down to Baja, uh, where I had a home on the beach, to write a book called Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder, talking about my experience with intergenerational collaboration, five generations in the workplace at Airbnb. And, and what I thought we needed to do as a society to actually foster better relationships in the workplace between the generations. Um, while I was writing that book, I had a Baja aha um, when I went for a run on the beach, an epiphany. And the epiphany was, why don't we have places for people in midlife, and I'll define midlife in a minute, where people can actually sort of reimagine and repurpose themselves. Right. And um, so that's how MEA came about. Um, and uh, Midlife is, you know, a life stage that I write about in my new book, Learning to Love Midlife. Mm -hmm. um, some sociologists say it lasts from 35 to 75. So it's, that's a long time. Um, long. I like to think of midlife as not an age specifically, but more of a stage. And it's a stage between early adulthood and later adulthood. Makes okay. sense. Early adulthood, later adulthood, the bridge in between is midlife. And so how you define your early adulthood and how you define your later adulthood is a huge influence on what would be midlife. And for me, I, I do believe that as I look at society today and there are more and more people in their mid thirties feeling nervous about their jobs because they may be obsolescent due, due to artificial intelligence. Um, and then I also think on the other end of the spectrum where people are in their mid seventies and still working full time and think that they're gonna live till a hundred it's not unheard of to imagine that midlife might last 40 years of the 4,000 people who've come to Baja to do our programs from 47 countries. The average age has been 54, but the age range has been from as young as 25 and as old as 88. So uh, it, there's a you know, wide range of people who've come. It, it, it almost sounds like midlife seems like subjective, like in this it sense is. that that how do you define your early adulthood? Because it seems like we all have different definitions of when we started our adulthood and mm -hmm. when we mature, perhaps. So I, that is almost, that was my next question, by the way. And that was almost, it feels kind of like, you know, like a, it almost feels good to feel like, okay, midlife is not constrained to a certain specific age right uh-huh it's not supposed to be like oh, I'm, oh oh that age is coming i'm about to approach midlife well let's look midlife has a bad brand let's start with that you know the midlife crisis there's no there's no there's no life stage that has crisis attached to it other than midlife therefore why do people not like midlife well who wants to have a crisis they also don't like midlife because midlife is the time where you start like thinking like, oh, I'm no longer youthful. And that's true. As we get older, we're not youthful, but hopefully we're useful. Um, midlife is also like the time when you start knocking on the door of like, oh, my parents are going to die. Friends of mine are going through health diagnoses. So there's a lot of transitions that are happening in midlife. And so there's for some people, it's like, oh, I don't want to go into midlife because it's a crisis it's, it's when you feel like you're no longer young and it's full of transitions that are painful. So I was like, okay, why would anybody sign up for that? Yeah. But there's so much social science research that shows that generally speaking, uh, based upon the U-curve of happiness research in particular, that shows that people's life satisfaction declines from their early 20s till about 45 to 50. Oh, 
at which point it bottoms out. And then you get happier with each decade after age 50. And so that's what I was really interested in is, wow, isn't that interesting that you could actually, maybe it's not a crisis, maybe it's a chrysalis. If you think about the, uh, the caterpillar to butterfly journey, the midlife, the mid stage of it is the chrysalis. So, you know, the caterpillar goes into the, spins its chrysalis, goes into the chrysalis, it's dark and gooey and, and solitary, but it's also where the transformation happens. And on the other side of that, you come out as a butterfly. So um, I, I'm a big believer in helping, in the idea of us helping to understand midlife better, understand what gets better with age. And that's why the subtitle of my book is 12 Reasons Why Life Gets Better With Age. Because we're very clear what doesn't get good with age. You know, our, just as our uh, we get comfortable in our own skin, it starts to sag. Our, our short-term memory is not as good. There's a lot of things that don't get better with age. But there's many more that actually do get better with age. And I, I wanted to bring those to light. That is very clever, by the way. I would just like to say, who doesn't want a crisis? But instead, let's maybe it's a chrysalis. Very yeah. clever. And, Thank you. And that is why you said um, when it comes to like this, the differing ages of like or the range of a midlife. Uh, is that why you call it intergenerational wisdom? Because then it's, an, it's almost like an amalgamation of all this wisdom from all these different uh, stages of life and just putting them all together. How do you handle that? How do you like put this all together? Well, my experience at Airbnb was really interesting because I, I was brought in and they thought, okay, Chip's going to be the wise one who's going to dispense wisdom. But instead, I was actually learning as much as I was teaching. And I called myself a mentor, a mentor and an intern at the same time, okay. because at age 52, I'd never worked in a tech company before. So I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn about millennials because I was surrounded by millennials. And um, I never worked in a, in my company, my boutique hotel company didn't raise venture capital, but Airbnb was full of venture capitalist funds. And so I, I had a lot to learn from others. I, the way I looked at it from an intergenerational perspective is often I was learning DQ from my younger uh, colleagues, di digital intelligence, mm -hmm. and they were learning EQ from me, emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence in all of its forms. Uh, sorry for one second here. There. Emotional intelligence in all of its forms. Um, and Emotional intelligence is a very important part of being a good leader. There's no doubt about that. And it's not the only part, but it's, it's in the fundamental piece of it. But if you're in your twenties and you've got a, and you're brilliant and you know, tech and you are understanding what you're doing really well, and you're leading a company with, with very little training or experience in emotional intelligence, part of my role was to help people microwave their emotional intelligence so they could actually step up in a way that the company needed them to be a mature leader. And that's not something that generally speaking, you know, people are taught, but yes. that's part of what I did there. Precisely. And it, of course it makes sense that, uh, I would say that the generation before us had more emotional intelligence, so to speak. Right. And, and yeah. that, that makes more sense because, you know, Inter, more interpersonal uh, like uh, experiences and it, it's just great that having that carry over and having that kind of opportunity to mix all that wisdom in together um, one thing I'm very curious about Chip and I'm sure that the um, the audience would love to also know um, 
I'm quite curious as well when you said like life actually starts getting better when you turn 50. And that's like something I feel like, wow, I can start looking forward to that. You said you were <laughs> curious about it. Yes. Now I'm like, what are the few things? You don't have to tell us like a, a whole complex answer, but what are the few things that you found that really stood out when it turns to like, when it's like, you know, why is life happier? Why does it start improving when you turn 50? So um, there are 12 reasons that I cite in the book, Learning to Love Midlife. And I'll just give you three or four. Number one is our emotional intelligence grows with age. And that's, that's valuable. I mean, there's, that's irrefutable. There's all kinds of data on that. Not only does our emotional intelligence grow, but our, we become less emotionally reactive. So instead of being the pinball in the pinball machine, we, know how, we learn how to respond as opposed to react. That gets better with age. Um, wisdom. You know, the idea, so I, I like to call wisdom, you know, the, our painful life lessons that are, are the raw material for our future wisdom. So the more life lessons we've had, the more experience that we've had, the more potential for wisdom we have. It doesn't mean we actually are wiser. I know 30-year-olds who are wiser than a 70-year-old. And yeah. it's partly because the 70-year-old hasn't made sense of their life lessons. They haven't metabolized their experience. Mm -hmm. So just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean you're wiser. Having said that, if it's if the if you are someone older who has made sense of your life lessons, then you probably are wiser. So wisdom is something that can grow with age. Um, another thing that grows with age is your understanding of yourself and yes. your desire. You're really your desire to just be yourself and not trying to you know care about so much about everybody else. That doesn't mean you're uh, not compassionate or empathetic. It's more like you don't care as much what other people say about you. And man, is that a relief. Um, that's another one that gets better with age. Um, as we get older, we get better at editing our lives. Learn the first half of our life, we're accumulating. The second half of our life, we're starting to edit and, and editing means gives you some space. And so you can have some time back in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and finally, I would just say one, one more, and there's so many, but I've given you five or six here, um, is we get a little bit more spiritually curious as we get older. So there's a spiritual intelligence that starts to grow. And for some, it's you can articulate it very well. For others, it's more like this feeling in your gut around wanting meaning in your life, but not exactly sure how you're going to go find that. And that's why I do believe in midlife. It's really important to have what is called a midlife atrium. Have some time and space to reflect upon how do you want to consciously curate the rest of your life. If the average age of the person who comes to MEA is 54 and the average age they think they're going to live till is 90, and that's accurate. 54 is exactly halfway between 18 and 90. So most of us at 54, and I'm 63 now, but at 54, I would not have said, oh, I'm halfway through my adult life. But if you realize that you're halfway through your adult life at 54, uh -huh. you are more likely to say, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to ask myself the question, 10 years from now, what will I regret if I don't learn it or do it now? Right. Right. It almost like there's it, it, a time is set upon that age where you're like, okay, this is it. If you don't maximize it now, then you, you're not ever going to maximize it in the latter half of your life, right? Um, That's right. Uh, you mentioned rebranding because midlife really does have a bad rep, right? Mm -hmm. And part of what you do or what part of what you talk about in your book is like you rebrand the perception of midlife. And mm -hmm. you've just, you've rattled off some really good reasons there uh, among the 12 reasons uh, that you mentioned in your book, 
But I'd just like to highlight this because one of the most things or the most common perception when it comes to midlife, why it has such a bad rep is because of you're losing your physical strength. Yeah. You know, yeah. you lose your physical vigor. And that is like a sign of like you're dying, you're aging. But all these other aspects in your life are actually quite improving. What is it specifically that that you've written in your, in your book when it comes to dealing with this like, uh, you know, this deterioration of your physical vigor? And how do you find a renewed purpose when it comes to feeling that, you know, and how do you approach midlife differently? Well, if you show up in life with a curiosity and a passionate engagement for what you're doing and your mission and your purpose, people won't notice your wrinkles. They'll notice your energy. And that's what people said to me for a long time. I am very vigorous. I have a lot of vitality, partly because I love what I'm doing. Now, does my body look as good today as it did 30 years ago? It doesn't. It doesn't. So one of the things I've gotten used to as I've gotten older is that my body doesn't define me anymore. When I was younger, my, you know, maybe my body defined me. And so I cared a lot about what it looked like. I, it's not that I don't care anymore. And I'm in you know, relatively good shape. I think of our, my body as a rental vehicle that was issued to me at birth. Mm-hmm. Here you go, Chip. This is your rental vehicle. Take good care of it. But the longer you've been on this planet, the more miles you have on your on your vet on that vehicle, and so it may not look as good on the exterior, but it hopefully feels better on the interior. Mm-hmm. And and so um, what I believe is that we, we've got to get used to the idea that our body needs to be well maintained, needs to have tune ups, needs to be cared for, because you want it to live a long time. But it's you want to focus more on the long term maintenance than the short term vanity. And when I was younger, I would sh- I would focus more on the short term vanity because I cared a lot what I looked like. I cared, you know, that I was in good shape. I wanted to look good if I was walking around in a bathing suit by the pool. Um, it's not that I don't care about that anymore, but it's not as high of a priority. One one of the things I say in the book is a six pack is expensive as you get older. And what I mean by that is six pack abs, you can have them at 70, but you're going to work four, four times as many hours a day, keeping those six pack abs at 70 than you are at 30. And the question you need to ask yourself is what's the opportunity cost for your six pack. And um, a lot of people don't think that way. Similarly, you know, we, I see a lot of people my age who've done Botox or plastic surgery, or they've done all kinds of things to try to keep looking young. Uh-huh. I don't want to, I don't want to say that's a bad thing or a good thing. What I do want to say is if you get obsessed about it, yes. you're playing on the, you're not realizing that as you get older, you're, you should no longer be playing on the physical playing field. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're looking competitively versus everybody else, mm-hmm. you should start to get used to the, like, Hey, there's not just a physical playing field. There's the emotional playing field, the spiritual playing field, the relational playing field. As we get older, we may be better emotionally, right. relationally, spiritually, mm-hmm. even potentially intellectually. I mean, up until about our early 70s, our crystallized intelligence, which is our ability to think systemically and holistically, gets better. Yes, our short-term memory starts to fade in our 30s and gets worse with each year after that. But it's not like at 63 today, I'm I'm forgetting, like, what am I doing right after this? My short-term memory, it's not as good as it was. I have to make notes to myself a little bit more. But, you know... We all lose our keys at various ages of our lives. It doesn't just happen when you get older. Precisely. I love how you said like it's tune-up, right? 
especially yep. once you get to that kind of point in your life that okay you can do you used to do small term gains but now you need to start thinking of the long term how do you do these tune ups in your life where mm -hmm. um you you no longer cannot put as much time in your physicality mm -hmm. at what it looks like and really it's just like your values change as you age and we i love how you highlighted the botox culture right because it's, it's so i mean sad. there are people in gen z there are people in gen z I, you know the new york times just had an article about gen zers who are actually doing botox and it's like really wow they don't probably don't even need that yet no they don't the, you don't you you're, you're you got perfect skin thank you thank you chip um i i do value i do value my current health you know i i i I punish my body a lot, but now I'm, you know, I'm valuing. I don't have vices. I don't drink. I don't smoke. And I feel mm. like these are things that you need to start valuing more as you get, you get up in that age. And these are the tune-ups that I was talking about because the, the when it comes to like uh, retuning your values, what you value, the the Botox culture starts getting more sad because you're trying mm. to hold back this this kind of value that is inevitable. Inevitable, yeah. It's, it's going to go. Yeah. It's going to yeah. leave you. So I love that you, you there's a there's a voice to this, that you are yeah. the voice to kind of like rebranding this perception when it comes to <clears throat> midlife. Um, uh, Chip, when it comes to, when it comes to your influence um, uh, in incorporating, you know, wisdom sharing, um, mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to your experience as a figure in the hospitality industry, this is more of a, a closing question, but when it comes to these both aspects, especially now that you are the leading voice, I would say on midlife chrysalis, mm. um, what mm. are your future aspirations? What are you looking at? What are you seeing when it comes to these both sides that you've, uh, that you've uh, become a big figure in? And yeah. what are the future plans for you? Yeah, well, I think MEA, I, th I mean, first of all, I, I love writing, and so I'm going to keep writing books. And this 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 book, Lear Learning to Love Midlife, in, a, in its second day on um, out in the public, became the number one happiness and self-help book on Amazon. So, yeah, I mean, it's doing well, and I'll, I'll keep writing. And I have a daily blog called Wisdom Well that's on both my personal chipconley.com website and the MEA website, which is meawisdom.com. MEA is going to be continuing to grow. We've got the Santa Fe Ranch, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the huge ranch on four square miles that opens in April. Um, we have another location. We have obviously our Baja location where we started six years ago on the beach in Mexico. We have a second location in Santa Fe, which is a 12 and a half acre former Catholic retreat center and seminary. That's wow. historic property next to St. John's College on Museum Hill. It's gorgeous. That will open in two years. Um, we have regenerative residential communities, intergenerational communities based on wisdom. Um, one in Baja that's opening now, one, and we have multiple ones that we're going to be doing in Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in sum, I, I really want to help society understand that midlife is a transformational time. Mm -hmm. And it is an opportunity to actually allow yourself to evolve from who you were to the next thing of who you're going to be. And you, in order to do that, I do think we need schools and tools and rites of passage and rituals. We have those when we're in adolescence. 
but we don't have them when we're in middle essence. And middle essence is a, a word that describes midlife. I love that. I love that. We don't have a school. We have a school for adolescents. We don't have a school for middle So a lot mm -hmm. of stuff to look forward to. Um, Chip, your new a 2,600-acre facility for MEA. Yeah. MEA um, and you really, really put a cross between hospitality and what you're doing when it comes to uh, this uh, personal development and growth and this perception in midlife. Um, you've rattled on, you've, you've told us about your website, you've told us about uh, your book. Um, tell us again where we can find you. Tell us again um, where else can we connect with you and yeah. anything that you would like the audience to know. So book you'll find anywhere where books are sold, Learning to Love Midlife. Um, the book I wrote before that was called Wisdom at Work. That's my based upon my Airbnb experience. If, you, if right. people want to understand intergenerational right. collaboration, that's a good book. Um, the chipconley.com website has all kinds of information on it. The MEA website uh, has meawisdom.com is uh, all kinds of information about our workshops, our online courses, mm -hmm. et cetera. And both websites have my blog and my blog um, also appears on LinkedIn. So I'm a LinkedIn profile. So you can go to LinkedIn and, and read my various writings there uh, as well. I will definitely connect with you on that. And I will read that right. blog every day. Thank you so much, Chip. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for your wisdom. I feel like it's a perception that not only I would value and carry with me. I feel like it's the, something the audience would also uh, would resonate with them as well. Thank you for your time. Okay. And thank you. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. Thanks so much. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.